Welcome to the B Block Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Scott. I appreciate you for joining me. I was at NRG Stadium for the Texans' home opener against the Ravens. Of course, we know they lost that game 33-16. to They have started off the season 0-2 as about we expected them to. And I got to say that this game went about as I expected. The Texans-Ravens game went about as I expected. I believe I picked them to lose to the Ravens. I picked the Texans to lose to the Ravens 35-17, to something like that. And the final score ended up being 33-16. to So essentially the game, or at least the final score that I expected, I know the thing that a lot of people are talking about right now is just how bad the Texans look. Not just the fact that they're 0-2, because I don't think anybody expected them to be 2-0. and And best case scenario here, they would have been 1-1. One and one. Certainly no one thought that they would win both of these games. And I think the belief was that they would lose them both. Matter of fact, if you look back, I don't know of anyone really who seriously picked the Texans to win either of these games. Any, like, serious opinions to consider that, thought the Texans really had a chance to beat either the Chiefs or the Ravens in these first two games. But what really stands out so far is not so much that they've lost the games. It's that this is not a super talented team. It is not a talented team really by, by any stretch. Like it's not a bad team. But it's not a super talented team when you look at how the roster is constructed. That so far has shown itself in these first two games. It was odd to me feeling like the passing game was slightly better against the Ravens at times even. I guess that's before the turnovers started to bite the Texans in the tail. But I also got much more of a sense of how much they miss DeAndre Hopkins. And what that really comes down to is them subtracting an elite player, a one-of-a-kind playmaker, and then not replacing him with one. I know that after the first game I said that not having DeAndre Hopkins was not the thing that stood out to me. It was not having a player like him, like not having a player step up in that vein. I did truly believe that while there was no player of DeAndre Hopkins caliber, that the offense had a chance to be super productive in a way that didn't necessarily miss DeAndre Hopkins overall. But what they did here was subtract an elite player and not replace him with one. David Johnson was not very productive against the Ravens. He wasn't nearly as good against that defense as he was against the Chiefs. But I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a really good player or at least a productive player for the Texans. I do think that. But he's not going to be the difference maker that DeAndre Hopkins was. Neither is Brandon Cooks. Neither is Will Fuller, who can't seem to stay healthy. He's dealing with hamstring issues already, which you had to figure that. I don't think anyone was betting on Will Fuller being fully healthy throughout the season. And even Brandon Cooks himself to start the season, even though he's played these games, 
and been a part of these games is dealing with a quad injury. But neither of those guys is going to be the difference maker that DeAndre Hopkins was. Randall Cobb, Kiki QT, Kenny Stills, none of these guys or any combination of these guys. You can throw the tight ends in there as well. You do not have either one single weapon or even a collection of weapons that brings you the value that DeAndre Hopkins did. I was not on this program after the first game. I am 100% on this program after the second one, after being able to watch a game in person and watching how no one was really gaining separation. There was no wide receiver. There was no player that really stood out. You don't have a guy like this. You do not have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, it'd be one thing if they had traded Hopkins. But then say Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks is actually that guy. And this is not a knock on either of them. Like, they are both nice players. I like them both. But more as compliments to DeAndre Hopkins. Not replacements or successors. And I know we have a lot of Texans fans who have, like, this DeAndre Hopkins fatigue. They're sick of hearing about DeAndre Hopkins. But when you watch him go to a new team and have the most successful start that you could even imagine, the most successful start that you could even anticipate, 20 catches through just two games, and then you watch the Texans receivers only gaining separation, like, on occasion, they're not big catch radius guys. They're burners. So you're not really feeling as good about those 50-50 balls that you would be throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. And I think that's allowing pressure to get to, to, to Deshaun Watson. Not to mention the fact that Watson, the offensive line, the coaching, whatever it is, this team as a whole does not handle pressure particularly well. They don't handle pressure well to begin with. And I don't feel like a team that doesn't handle pressure well can afford a whole bunch of coverage sacks or coverage pressure, however you want to look at it. The the pressure because there is no separation. There is nothing special happening on these routes. I think that for all of the discussion about whether Watson needed a safety net or if DeAndre Hopkins somehow was this safety net or whether like something like that helps or hurts a, a quarterback's development, I think it goes a long way for a quarterback who is constantly under pressure to have somebody that he can get the ball to, that he can just get the ball to. And they don't have that right now. And I think it's hurting them. On Monday morning, I asked Bill O'Brien whether he thought they were, as an offense, were creating the mismatches that they want. And here's what he had to say. Hey, good morning, Bill. Hey, Brandon. Hey, so... We saw some pretty good things from Brandon Cooks and and from Randall Cobb. And you mentioned earlier some of the plays that you guys missed and some of the things that you're working on. Do you guys feel like y'all are creating the mismatches that you want and um, and and executing those? Well, they were, you know, a lot of, you know, when you talk about mismatches, that, that has a lot to do with man versus zone and things like that. So they, they this team that we played yesterday, they did play some man. We felt like uh, we had guys in the right positions, but they also played a lot of zone. They played a lot of blitz zone, and and so each each week is different, um, you know, relative to our to the matchups. You know, some teams 
you know, they pressure you with a lot of blitz zone. This team pressured us with blitz zone, and then they played a lot. They played zero, which we handled well a couple times, but didn't handle well other times. So we just have to do it all better. Everything's got to be better. So um, everything, starting with coaching, playing, everything. So I softballed that one a little bit. If you go back and listen, I didn't really ask the question that I wanted to ask because I was trying not to be like a jackass. But the question that I really wanted to ask and should have asked, and hopefully at some point this week I do ask, is do you feel like these receivers are getting enough separation? And or do you feel like you are scheming up opportunities for them to get separation? Like, is this a performance issue? Is this a schematic and game planning issue? Honestly, like that, that is the question. That was the question that I was going for. We still ended up getting a a pretty good answer there as far as like how he viewed the matchups and how he saw them being played. But the issue is still there. They don't have a guy who dictates coverage the way that DeAndre Hopkins did. They don't have a player on offense that stands out in that way. Jordan Aikens, a revelation so far. I mentioned that Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks had decent games, but no one is really standing out. And that's whether you're in man-to-man, going up against man-to-man, doing man-to-man matchups, trying to create those mismatches. And that's if you're the coaching staff scheming around how you play against the zone. It's not there from the players. It's not there from the coaches. No one is performing up to a standard level yet. That's just the truth of the matter. Another thing that I don't quite understand is why the Texans are so bad in pass protection. Like, why are they so bad in pass protection if they've invested this much money in the offensive line, this much money in the quarterback, this much money in the skill position? It just doesn't seem right to me that they don't handle pressure better. And that goes for the line, that goes for the quarterback. I watched a play where there's a safety blitz, and... It seems pretty clear on the replay, and and I could tell this based off of just watching the play live, but especially on the replay, it seemed pretty clear that the tight end was not assigned to block that safety. He was not assigned to the safety because he doesn't even so much as acknowledge this guy's presence. And, of course, he comes in with the pressure and blows the play up. That, to me means that Watson's got to have a hot read or check out of that play or something. Like something different's got to happen there because the plan clearly wasn't for – the plan was for that guy to go unblocked. So what's the play? What's the decision? I mean, you either need to block that guy or you need a different play or or, or you need to get rid of the ball. You know? Because even I from the press box, from the NRG Stadium press box – With bad eyesight, I saw that safety coming off the edge. There was no mystery there whatsoever. So now this is two weeks in a row of me feeling a little bit silly for buying into that whole we're returning all five starters along the offensive line thing, buying into that narrative. 
certainly it's true and it is good to have continuity along the offensive line. That's cool and all, but the line's not that good. The offensive line is not that good. And Watson, while he is a dynamic player, he could stand to make better decisions as far as like what play to go with or how quickly to get rid of the ball in those situations. Which brings me to my next point. Deshaun Watson's decision-making and his accuracy are a concern right now. Both things are a concern right now. I tend to believe that Watson is dynamic because of his instincts, and sometimes that's going to come with maybe poor decision-making, maybe some plays that you'd like to have back. He giveth and taketh away, so to speak. And so I was more impressed by Marcus Peters on that interception, and I thought he just made an incredible play. I was more impressed by him than I was upset with Watson for throwing the ball. Like, Peters made an incredible athletic play there to pick that off. But that was also Watson failing to see what was right in front of him. And so I asked Deshaun about that play after the game. Hey, Deshaun, it looked like Marcus Peters just made a really good play on that ball there that he intercepted. What, what did you see on that play? And, and, and could you take us through that a little bit? No, he, he did. I mean, he, he leaked out and laid out for it. Uh, we were actually, I was asking him about it, if he was, if he knew that was kind of coming or he just read my eyes. He just kind of said he fell off. He'd rather, you know, kind of give the check down the, the play. And, you know, I just got to see in front of the, the, the crossers, crossing routes. And I thought he was far enough away from where I can give it the, the cooks and, and let him run. But, you know, he leaped out and, you know, make it, made a hell of a play. And, you know, he, he did a good job for, for this, for his defense. But, yeah, I got to see in front of the crosser and, and, um, Next time, make sure that, you know, I can get the ball into the receiver's hands instead of the defense. And, and Deshaun, even though y'all played two really great teams so far, do you get the sense a little bit that y'all are beating yourselves? Of course. I mean, we, you know, get down early in the game and we got to fight our way back. You never want to do that versus any team. Um, and then just little mistakes that, that we just not execute. Um, not, I wouldn't even call them mistakes, just opportunities that we're not capitalizing on. And, you know, a lot of times in the red zone, even myself, I mean, like I said, I miss Cooks on that one, on that third down. Um, and then just little things that, you know, we're there, but we're just not making the play. So, um, yeah, we're just not capitalizing on, the, on those perfect opportunities for us to take that next step. The Kiki QT fumble and the Watson interception basically did the Texans in it killed any chance that they had to be competitive in this game, I thought. And I think that's also the point in which it seemed like they might have quit. And I use the term quit. I don't think that they actually quit. I think that they lost belief. And we're noticing that with this team, man. It gets to a point they get down or they have these momentum swings, these game-changing plays, these game-changing sequences and moments. And after that, they just do not respond very well or don't seem very inspired by what just took place. And the QT fumble, which resulted in an inter I'm sorry, which resulted in a touchdown. That resulting in a touchdown for the Ravens and then to backdoor that with an interception. Now, they didn't give up 
a touchdown after that. I want to say it was a field goal that if they if they gave up points after the interception, it wasn't more than a field goal. But more than anything, what happened was that they didn't get points. They didn't get to make up for the moment that was lost, the 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 swing in the game that happened with QT's fumble and the touchdown. Like I think that it just totally killed them. That was the end of the game. That I think is what sucked the life out of this game. Now, final point on Texans Ravens. Notice how the defense is getting graded on a curve now because the offense is so bad and the expectations for the defense are so low. This defense has set the bar so low that the Ravens were able to run for over 200 yards, over 200 yards on the Texans defense. They didn't turn it over. And I think they had three offensive touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. But the defense is being applauded, basically being applauded for showing a basic level of competence. Now, I don't want to be dismissive of the things that this defense did well in that game. I thought it was encouraging to see them get to Lamar Jackson. I thought J.J. Watt sacking Lamar Jackson twice was significant. I thought Zach Cunningham returning to being the player that got paid right before the season started. Like, he went back to looking like the guy that they paid. I remember after the Chiefs game, or you might remember, I said that none of the players, none of the players for the Texans looked expensive. Y'all remember that? Well, Cunningham and J.J. Watt at least looked expensive on Sunday. They looked like high-dollar players. P.J. Hall, I think, is a revelation. Lonnie Johnson at safety is something I think fans are going to embrace. And Bill O'Brien talked on Monday about liking Lonnie Johnson at safety. He did play well there, and there could be something there. I mean, he's got the size, and obviously, as a corner, there are some corner, there are coverage skills that would benefit a safety. The issue here is, the Texans can't consistently commit to a gap to save their lives right now. They're not exactly a lucky or opportunistic defense right now. Now, they'll, they'll force turnovers eventually, but it's not happening right now. It's not happening yet. This is not a good defense. But then the offense is so underwhelming, and our expectations for this defense are so low with so few playmakers. It seems like every time that they do something positive, we're ready to crown Anthony Weaver as like some type of rookie coach of the year or something like that. And props to Weaver, honestly. Props to Weaver, and I think he's going to be a really good defensive coordinator. He's off to a really good start. But what you're seeing over there is not great. It is not great. What you're seeing on defense is not great either. Don't be mistaken. All right, that's it for the B-Block Podcast. Make sure you are liking, sharing, reviewing, doing all those things that you're supposed to do to promote a podcast and a podcast network. I will be back later on in the week with some analysis on what this matchup is going to look like against the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you talk about not handling pressure, is there is there a better pass rushing team right now than the Pittsburgh Steelers? I don't know if there is. 
We'll talk about that a little bit later in the week. Appreciate y'all for joining me.